Uh, Kim was asking if, if there was anything we wanted to prep her on before we start. Like, like who listens to this? What are they trying to get? Like, Righto. Um, kind of context. <laughs> I think I think our four listeners are <laughs> all named Matt. Yes, no. at least three of them are uh, Matt. <laughs> um, so essentially, I guess, uh, like the audience is any, anybody who's ever said, I have an idea for a story. Um, I feel ready. I feel right. <laughs> oh no okay you're listening to the can't sell this podcast dedicated to projects past that never saw the light of day with your hosts hugh elliott and stefan grambart so i'm really excited about today's episode hugh okay how come we have a special guest <gasps> we do this is a guest who I have spoken with on numerous occasions at conferences. She's a fantastic artist, creative strategist, consultant, and public speaker. Kim Alpert is here with us. Kim today. Alpert. Hi. Hi, Kim. <laughs> I, of course, knew you were our guest, but I, I feigned it's all part of the drama of podcasting. Um <laughs> Can I can I say when I was looking at your website, I brought your website up because yeah. I want to say I love the fact that you have with a background in fine art, music, and carpentry. I'm just like as the son of a carpenter and having many splinters in my hands. I love the fact that you would would list carpentry along with fine art and music as it's, being part of your background. Oh man, it's the thing, you know. I I knew how to do what I was talented at and I was good at. And then I became a carpenter and I learned about what it's like to be really, truly bad at something. You have mm-hmm. to keep doing yeah, a lot and very consistently to get better. Um, and that taught me about practice. And then moving into art and moving into digital, I took that with me. And it, it's, you know, I'll always, I'll always give it the attention it deserves. Mm-hmm. I think there are, there are a lot of little cliches that come from working with your hands, you know, like measure twice, cut once, and, you know, a poor carpenter blames their tools. There's there's all sorts of cliches that, that go along with you into the digital world and installations in particular that that always strike me as, like, I, I have that conversation all the time when, we, when, we, when I've done live installation work is, well, yeah, of course I spent a long time planning this, <laughs> you know, I didn't want it to be a surprise when I got into the space, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's not a ton of room, literally sometimes. <laughs> so I'm sorry to break it. It is one of those things that I, I was, I'm just like, oh yeah. Kindred spirit, man. Kindred spirit. What kind of stuff did your dad do? He's a cabinet maker. Okay. Yeah. Cool. When I bought my IKEA kitchen, he was like, "What do you do? You hate me?" And it was, I was like, "No, you just your cabinets are more expensive than an IKEA kitchen is." So, it's not personal, Dad. I love you. Can you help me tear down my kitchen? <laughs> yeah, he's a cabinet maker, woodworker. So that's awesome. That's big mm-hmm. work. Mill work. I did mouse. Um, I did furniture work. So. Oh yeah. Had I, I stayed in, it. I'd probably be wearing like a jeweler's loop right now, like looking at things, squinting really hard. Far too small for for comfort. That, that is actually how I'm picturing you right now, anyways. <laughs> With a jeweler's loop. <laughs> yeah, and I, overalls. You get new glasses today, so I can see through walls right now. It's amazing. What? I had an eye exam yesterday, and the drops 
were so bad and I had to ride my motorcycle from the eye place to my house and I was like this is truly dangerous I'm just like, oh, like no. my a, sunglasses a on wait, a dilated motorcycle drive yesterday. yeah yeah it was pretty crazy but I mean I, 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 I had sunglasses on I when I had the eye exam I couldn't even read the menu at the Harvey's down the street like I was I was like I don't even know how I'm gonna get home I wasn't going for a burger I was riding my motorcycle home, well I, so, so. I, I <laughs> wasn't trying to read I a menu I can see a red light <laughs> from how you handle your dilated eyes in this last moment of our lives That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you for a motorcycle ride I I try to read the menu at a Harvey's next to the Rivoli mm-hmm yeah Anyways, so I think what's what's interesting right now is the fact that in like a day and a half or two days, you're actually going to be in Toronto. And if we were able to schedule this. Like in 12 hours and like not even that much time. Yeah. And had we been capable of scheduling this properly, we would be sitting in a studio and looking at each other and able to react. And I would see Stefan rolling his eyes going, come on, just let me talk. And, And I'd be like, oh, dude, what? You know, but I'm not and we're not. So it's too bad. But we will see you physically. Because I'm going to be at FITC. Stefan's going to be at FITC. And you'll get a pin, which is the most exciting thing. (laughs) We can't sell this pins that we give our guests. Is there a ceremony or do you just hand it to me and I can can just have it? Would you like a ceremony? (laughs) We could definitely hand you it in a gentle manner and two-handed and I could bow. Let's let's all have a three-way bow. Yeah, we can easily do that. I think if, if... we could actually create like a ceremonial check. Can you record be... at the end of this when you post it live? Like, will you follow up with people about the bow? And like, <laughs> we, if we can get someone to take hey, a photo of it, we'll be in the show notes. Yeah. We'll it's put it in the show notes. Just wanted to confirm the bowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry, Stefan. You, you please, please get me on to, to on topic. <laughs> No, I, this is so far. This the conversation has been riveting. Wait, what, and, did, what did you get at Harvey's? What did I get at Harvey's? I don't even know. I, I couldn't see the menu. I don't know. I, I, think, I, just, I think I just ordered and, get, like, and fries. Yeah, it was turned it out Harvey's he was just standing A&W? in front of. Him. I think, it, to be perfectly honest, I don't think there's a Harvey's there. I think there's an A and W there. So I, I thought I was at Harvey's. See but, anything? But I was probably at A and W. I don't want to talk about fast food anymore. It's <laughs> I haven't had fast food in forever, and it's <laughs> making my stomach upset. Oh, right. that's pretty funny. Anyways, <laughs> you actually were standing at a toy store and just <laughs> yeah. like a burger, please, sir. This is a Toys R Us. We don't. Uh... You know what? Here, I don't. I'm not eating this. You go ahead and take it. <laughs> and and I was just going what what <laughs> because somehow I thought not being able to see also made me hard of hearing. Yes. Your senses are all connected that way. Okay. All right. <laughs> there is. A, is we can be on topic if we choose to. I'm just saying, Stefan, we can do it. No, we can. So I was going to actually ask Kim about Make Amazing. Mm-hmm. Your firm mm-hmm. that you run out of Chicago. That's what I do, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm just really interested in the process of like w- when you when you have a project that you want to make amazing, mm-hmm. uh, and I love the name. I think it's great. I think it's it really stands for all the stuff that I love about working in in digital media or media in general. It's just like it's it's not there. You're not there 
because you want to sell something. You're not there because you want to uh, impress people. You just you're there because you want to make cool cool shit. Yeah, slightly more than slightly more than functional, but at the same time, completely an improper use of language, which is important. Mm-hmm. In my experience, that's not always an easy sell. So when we were talking about you know how this podcast came to be and how some of the ideas that we've had, like I mean I've talked to. Uh, Hugh about the uh, secret farm product that I tried to I tried to create an ad campaign for and and because they wanted to get away from the traditional country image that they had and and then when when I pitched them what I considered to be an amazing creative idea they were just like whoa that's that's too far off course bring us right back to you know sponsoring the Calgary Stampede you had them in like so spaceships I, they had like spaceship crop oh no I had like a whole X Files uh, like, going on. Do you take them all the way out? <laughs> I took them to an X Files. I took them to uh, an X Files yeah. web series based on on uh, salad dressing. That would be so good. It's a hard sell. So, it's a hard sell. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it, but it, uh, you know, from what I can see, you end up with what what seems to be more like collaborations, right? Like the, your approach yeah, my, as an agency. A little bit different, you know, and it's really it's really bespoke and it's really kind of built around my practice, both. You know, as a creative director and as a strategist um, for brands and navigating that space and marketing, um, as well as my art. So a lot of the work um, sometimes will go between the two and will be promotions around uh, projects, sometimes that I'm involved with, sometimes that I'm not even involved with. And then, you know, other things I'm passionate about. I've been really invested in service and getting around universities and young people and giving back to like, the community. So I a lot of work around that as well. Are you you're so you're active yeah. uh, in the Chicago area or just Yeah, I do a lot of stuff. So finishing a curatorial residency at Elastic Arts here in Chicago and um, I've been on the board for the Experimental Sound Studio for a couple of years, which has been really great. Um, and watching the growth there is incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, then I help with uh, curriculum for Full Sail where I'm an alum and then with Columbia College Hollywood on their board, kind of watching as they grow and get new campuses and expand. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you were actually in the Hall of Fame at Full Sail. I am. Was that a fun experience? It's fun. It's weird, right? Like it's it's like a top ten list that without having to like really qualify it. Um, it's awesome. They're just like, look at how awesome Kim is. <laughs> can we put her in the Hall of Fame? It's like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can put me in the Hall of Fame. But you know, it's like, it's a really incredible meta thing because there's really great blood there. The school is going to be 40 years old this summer. And the people who have steered it from being in a bus to being the incredible mm-hmm. facility that they have, the largest esports gaming arena opening at this insane anniversary in just a few weeks. On top of, you know, an incredible simulation suite um, and makerspace, it's, uh, it's, it's wild. It's awesome. You know, and- I'm, I'm so incredibly proud of them. So it's the Hall of Fame for me is like a curated group of friends. Right. <laughs> that like the person whose vision most closely matched my dreams, you know, like that kind yeah. of Willy Wonka level thing. Um, oh, that's great, though. Do you find that that each not I mean, not every job you do, but but in a lot of cases, the jobs uh, or pro- projects, I don't know what, how you would phrase your own work, but the works, the work you're doing is an evolution from one to the next. Or do you feel that you are 
servicing a particular yeah, it seems like you're never doing one thing, right? So it's not like you're just doing video or you're just doing this or you're just doing that. You're working with a lot of different, you know, types of media. And yeah. it, do, do you find that that is part of your own evolution as an artist? Or is that more about an acceptance that these things are coming to you and being willing to at least to, to try them? You know, I think for me it's more approach. You know, when I started out, we were in this really kind of crunchy, cool time of multimedia where you kind of got a little bit of a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, the reason for my gravitation in my commercial work towards strategy, excuse me, is being able to see all those many things, um, you know, in and being able to direct against those things and be, being able to understand some of the creativity around them. It allowed me to work with people who were in their own craft so much more talented than I would ever be and making that work as a team is the coolest it's just the coolest thing when it works it works uh, like a symphony do you not give yourself enough credit in that in that scenario wherein the people that you're working with that have this talent that you don't have in that thing that they're doing they don't have the talent that you have in the thing that you're doing yeah Absolutely. You know, like there's I, a reason you're working together. You have, have to have that appreciation both ways or it doesn't work, you know. Mm-hmm. Then you wind up with somebody who's in leadership that's like trying to still push pixels and lay down, you know, lines of code. Mm, yeah. you, that, you know what I mean? You can't have the conductor also playing an instrument. They need their hands. It just doesn't work that way. You know, everybody is playing. So in your work, have you ever come across a client who then feels like well you know if you're not actually doing any of the work why am i hiring you like do you find it hard to sell that you know like uh to sell yourself as look i'm the creative vision holder i'm the person who's who's holding this team together and and like you said i'm in a leadership role um do you find that, that is sometimes undervalued that people would rather hire the specialist who's actually going to get their hands dirty no, because when things take too long and they get to see how fast I am, it usually balances out. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so you, would you say that you you then you want your reputation to precede you so that people hire you because they already heard from someone else? No, they can see it, or they, you know what I mean. Like sometimes they cannot see it too, and you know what I mean. Like they right. watch me do something in real time and like really, really feel it and get into it, and that's fine. You know, there's a lot of education on both sides mm-hmm. with any project. You know, for me to understand requirements, you know, if I need a team, if I don't need a team, and it's something that I'm going to do. And they need to learn how to communicate their vision, you know, or their intention, you know, with any kind of project. However, it's funded when you come together with somebody else, communicating about it is really the thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have a very best luck to you mentality when it comes to projects that go away, you know, like I, I'm going to do my best. And if they, if they don't see, because, you know, I think what you're, what you're driving towards is that, like, race to the bottom budget, right? Of, like, cutting every yeah. man hour possible out of, like, the vendor situation. And that's only going to get you so far, right? Like, that's only going to get you so far mm-hmm. if you have somebody who is literate and organized and driven enough to, like, really oversee that. But that's, it's rare. At least I found to really make it efficient to do something really incredible, to do something, dare I say, amazing. <laughs> That's kind of the thing. It's, yeah. I've seen so often 
agencies or companies that try so hard to push all our development into the technology of this piece. And, you know, if it's not a, an engaging experience, you know, no one's going to care. Yeah. You know, with every, with everything that a person is going to use, you want to cultivate loyalty. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about really clean, really well-made design is you're doing that with the like nuanced way that you make your decisions on how something should feel. You're deciding how that person's going to long-term react and, you know, engage. And that's, that's that higher level thing, you know? And that's, that's what I mean. You know, like, if somebody's like, Kim, I have, I have this pile of money. Like, will, we make, will you make these hideous banners that I'm, I've dreamed of? I'd be like, I, I would think this is a better idea. And if you're like, no, this is it, I'll be like, yeah, maybe. Okay, I'll take that pile of money and I'll make those. Like, that's, you know, there's always that scale. Well, know? I mean, also, the, it, 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 I, I've always said that banners are bread and butter. And, and like... You know, the stuff I do, the stuff I do with musicians or, you know, the podcast, these are jobs, but they're jobs that I do because I love to do them. So the stuff I do to pay my bills isn't because I love to make banners, you know? And I, I think that, I think that, I think it's a thing that we don't, we right. initially in our career, we, we forget that, that you just need to pay your bills. It doesn't mean you ha you lose your dignity and your pride because you decided to take a job, Yeah, you know? And it balances itself out, you know? Like, I think there's something really elegant about well-done communication, you know? So mm -hmm. trying to get folks on that bandwagon is part of it, you know, that education and that literacy. Um, and if it doesn't, if it starts to not feel like it's reciprocal, um, then it's probably not usually the right thing. You, know? mm -hmm. you were talking earlier about collaboration and, and partnerships, and mm -hmm. uh, I feel like... When you have a client and you build trust with them, not only do they trust in you, but you, you trust in them as well. And you know that your voice will be heard. The, the worst thing is when you're consulting on a project and every time you give them advice, the client just says, well, we did that because of X reason or we won't do that because of Y reason or thank you for your input, but we don't want to do that. You know, eventually you're like, well, why are you paying me? Why am I here? If you don't like what I have to say, that's fine. That, that's your prerogative. But I'm not saying these things to be mean. I'm saying these things to be helpful because it's my job. <laughs> Feels very fresh, Stefan. <laughs> no, no, no. I was a fresh wound. It's okay. It's, 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 it's a wound we have all felt. Very often. Like, I mean, this is, this is a, a, um, archetypal story that you get from creatives in the industry like well especially long-standing creatives yeah long-standing anybody in the like I, I mean i graduated 1998 you know you graduated probably around the same time like 20 years 20 years of advertising it's like, just it's, it's just one of those things that you go yep <laughs> yep but it's so funny too because you see young people coming out and they and they get really incensed about this you know like it's just it's like oh you know, they don't listen and this is how we, the way things should be and you know you just get to that point where you, where you say well yeah but it's not like i think a lot of times you need to sort of convince the younger generation that it just you need to have the time to to get people around to your way of yeah. thinking but also also picking and choosing you know like if you have a repeat client and you know that they're on board with what you're doing and they might be a little bit hesitant about some of the ideas but you know if you keep at it they will eventually see your way 
but you also have the clients where you're like, they will never change and they're willing to pay me to do a job, but that's all it'll ever be. So I'm not even going to bother trying to change them. I'm just going to give them what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I can do my due diligence and give them recommendations, but if they don't want to follow them, it's no sweat. It was good. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have a question just to bring it back to the guest um, is the collaborations you're doing with musicians, the video installations you've been doing over the past few years, um, not a few years, a, a good number of years. Um, are you able to parlay that into marketing work or is that strictly for art art's sake? I'm going to answer this as a two part question because I was already thinking about something. Oh, um, good. No, just about about what you were saying about feeling really like feeling really shitty because you like don't leave anything and you've like you're just like I birthed all these ideas and now you've just killed them all. <laughs> um, I think that's one of the things I like about my consulting practice. Like now that you're making me actually think about it, is really owning the parameters and the boundaries of how to deliver those ideas and really enjoying making those materials. You know what I mean? So it's like. Even if they don't execute on it, like being able to be like, here, here are my documented ideas and being able to feel like there's value against them by the way that I present and capture them. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that was part one to the previous rant. Part <laughs> Sometimes, yes. Um, I like selfishly, you know, I know how to do all the internet-y design stuff. So a lot of times if I'm working on a show, I'll be like, hey, do you want to cut some promo pieces? You know, do you need somebody to, you know, figure out how to traffic out the best ads? You know? And sometimes it's, I do that for stuff that I'm not even a part of. Just that's how community works, right? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, you know, it's interesting. I was, I was thinking about your now I'm like, all I'm all man. Why did I cut in? Because you were going to answer this other thing. But. Um, I, no, I did. That was the two well, part. But I was just thinking about the consultancy stuff because I, you know, there is a, an upcoming recording we're going to do, Stefan, in, in which I, I was in a three-day in-house consultancy about a new product, and I came up with what I thought of as like a really well-rounded campaign. And when I presented it to, <laughs> to the creative director, he was like, "You want a what?" And I just was like, what? This is a great idea. He goes, well, sure, if you're an artist. I went, yeah. You know, like I, I presented this idea of like creating a community and all this artwork and a gallery a show that would travel and, and uh, you know, be completely user generated. And, and he just was like, there is no way the client's going to pay for that. I'm like, but could you ask the client if they would pay for it? You know, like I just did. I've written all this, you know, there's a rationale behind it. I've done this, all this research. <laughs> Wait, what was the, can I just know like the industry type? I don't even need to know the brand. It was retail um, and they, they were launching a uh, credit card. Okay. And I, I just, uh, because know. I was, I was like, oh my God, what if it's like a healthcare thing? This is going to be really funny. It wasn't healthcare. <laughs> it wasn't healthcare. No, no, it was, it was, it was retail. In my mind, it worked. Like it, and it, and I actually, there were two completely different campaigns and one was this traveling art show and the other one was a like a essentially i made a traveling arcade and i was like you could do a big arcade and 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 they were just like what the fuck are we paying you for again you know like i i i don't know it's just one of those i was in one of those moods where i'm like you want to take chances you're taking a chance you know and i 
I definitely, I once pitched a big idea like that, that they definitely like had never heard anything like it and definitely didn't do it. <laughs> their idea, like they, their idea when they brought me in was they want to do a show with Drake. Well, who doesn't get in line? Yeah. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> well, so you're going to spend all the money on just getting, you're just going to spend all your money on getting Drake. Like that's a massive waste of time. Like I, I just, I was like, you're just insulting the people that you're trying to sign in you know you want to you want to sell a credit card to millennials who don't want credit right you know show that you're supporting the communities that they want to support and i guarantee you they'll buy in then but it's like no we want drake I'm like, that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard but i just went yeah no thank you for the money i appreciate your time they were like oh you didn't know we also have drake money bye <laughs> we got drake money yeah so I'm like oh, come on you got the money to do it i mean you you're gonna hire drake i mean that's it burned you good. I can't wait to see when this Drake ad comes out. I don't. I don't think it did. Like I don't think it did. Like I, I'm no. trying to. It was a few years ago, and I, I. I'm not. They did launch the product without the fanfare that they had intended. So I don't know if they just sort of said, you know, we're we're not doing any of that. It's a credit card. We don't need extra help in selling credit. I don't know. Like uh, whatever. Well, traveling art gallery was a great idea do you want to hear about my really bad idea that definitely did not get bought uh well yes. that would that be exactly the show? is that the point of the show it yeah. is 100 percent the point of the show okay. should we like well, it's like 99 39 minutes in we should really get to the fucking point oh no the, no this conversation is the point so it's not, this, there's not there's nothing that hasn't been the point just okay. by the way there's not no point there's there's never there's, not a point there's never not no point I think that I think part of the problem that that happens and it happens for everyone is you believe that you're work when you're freelance for instance you believe you're working alone and or you are working alone and you believe you are alone like it, you you don't realize that everybody's going through the exact same thing that have the same sort of that, that are freelance Stefan and I you know, separately we're freelance and we were both stressed out about projects that we're working on and we would get together to record. And then, like, after we were done recording and having a good laugh, and it was like this big cathartic, you know, 35 mm. minutes, we would sort of turn it off and then have a chat about work and get really stressed out again. And all, <laughs> all I could think was, is like, let's record another episode, man. Because I just, you know, it, I'm so stressed out about this other thing and paying bills and, you know, family and blah, blah, blah. But, like, the, the, the recording was all about the catharsis of this is, this is your life. And we can really enjoy the failure of creation too but never a third episode no fuck no no because no. we're too drunk we by that point yeah we learned hard no you're too trashed yep so i got invited to pitch a client that was like a super random return client but i was this agency i was a creative director and they were like coming back they had done some work there like years ago and it was like a super cold lead and they were like just go in sell them something <laughs> big and weird they want to talk to young people like just go huh. and i was like i don't know 25 i was young i was young to be given that much power i was drunk on power so it was a company that made disposable contacts and i i went in and i pitched them a tour of this musician whose kind of identity was like wrapped around these big black frames and basically building kind of a reverse moment of getting people to put on these like horribly ugly black frame glasses and then 
in the experience of putting them on, you get the experience of taking them off and then seeing somebody, you know, taking off their glasses and then being reminded about context. Uh, I was very excited about it. I had confirmed the artist as even being interested and possible. I went down, I presented the whole thing and they, they were quite speechless and very generous to not give me a no in the room, but very conservative and we're never going to do anything like anything. Yeah. Anything anywhere close to that. I like it a lot, but, uh, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, me too. I'm not even kidding. I love it. Yeah. Hey, we, we had fabbed up glasses for everybody, so we all, hmm. yeah, you know, one of those. With, I, I'm a big leaf behinder. I like making little bits and stuff, miniatures. And... That's why you're getting a pin. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's a great idea. So who, oh, I get, can you say who the artist was? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. Think, well, anyways, an, uh, some artist that has big black glasses. Yeah. So I'm going to say Elvis Costello. Absolutely and, not. It was someone like really. It was like a pretty. Well, I'm going to say person. Elvis Costello because it makes me happy. And okay. so and so like yeah, you were like, just going to fill a room with people watching Elvis Costello perform, <laughs> and 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 they're going to hand them all black glasses, and then he's going to go, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> and and then you're going to have everybody take off their glasses, and then and then he's like, "Wait a second <laughs> My glasses aren't ugly. <laughs> Wait, maybe that isn't a great idea. <laughs> maybe it's the best. I love it. I really do. I, I, I'm a big fan of the leave behind too. I'm not, I'm not even joking. Yeah. I've done some pretty wild leave behinds. I've done like oversized, um, like giant baked, like fortune cookies with our phone number on fortunes and like funny things inside of them. Um, I've sent oh ice shaped as the Titanic with gin, um, <laughs> to like CEOs to be like, you know, talking about different stuff that's going on in the news. I'm a goof. I like that stuff. You know, like real ice. You sent them ice, not an ice cube tray with the Titanic. They were little Titanic trays. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would, that, I, that's in my head. I was like, Oh, I would make an ice, a, a Titanic ice cube tray. That'd be a, a great thing to give to people. It's a really good gift, yeah. It's maybe one of the smartest gifts of all time. And did I, they did they react like they were like, "Oh my god, who sent us this?" Um, people thought it was they thought it was a real cast. It was really fun. Oh, awesome. Um, you know, we I I am now uh, thinking because when you said ice shaped like the Titanic, I just assumed it was a large ice sculpture, <laughs> and I mailed that to someone. <laughs> and I was like, open up a package. It's just a it's just a puddle. Three times. So you know what that means. One is coming. <laughs> one is coming. This is the third ice sculpture reference in like the past two weeks. It's really exciting. Nice. Oh, but, really? Oh, well, I, shoot. I, I, feel like, I feel like that in itself would be an amazing uh, thing to pitch like Amazon. Have you seen a person? Wait, have you ever seen in your real life, in person, someone sculpting ice with a chainsaw? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wait, is that just a thing that, like, because I'm an American, it's not that common? Yes. <laughs> it's, there's, hey, look, I worked on a poutine truck at Ice Fest, and it was yeah. ice sculpting and ice sculpting competition. You're talking to so. Canadians here. There's you know, no, Ice I'm Fest. Learning. There's. I'm, uh, learning. I'm still learning. 
there's Winterlude in Ottawa where I grew up where they did they would do ice sculptures on the frozen canal. And yeah. some years it would be like, well, you got you got about an hour to look at the sculptures before everything goes crashing into the into the canal because it's 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 too it's warmed uh, up, it's too it's thin, warmed it's up. warmed up, it's gonna flood over and we're all gonna drown. Okay, well, <laughs> I mean, okay, so time out. That's a, that's an exaggeration. Yeah, it is. I have only seen one person ever sculpting ice with a chainsaw in my life, and okay. it was in in the parking lot at the office building where I worked a few years ago and there was a like show your artistic talent day and one of the men from the shop or like I don't know in like the automotive department in the design department or something like went and like did this he did an ice sculpture and it was incredible right it was the most violently delicate thing I've ever seen it's a very cool (laughs) thing to watch It's, it's a loud obnoxious thing to watch but it is very cool. I just think the act of creation with something so loud and angry. <laughs> it's it's like... so good. <laughs> I, so I, I, I ride a motorcycle. And one of the things that I really like doing is like kids, little kids always wave. And it, it feel, I feel, always feel like a, like a, a, you know, a big burly, Hey guys. So I always rev it for the kids and the parents are always pulling the kids away. Yeah. But the kids love it. And it's, it's that same thing. Kids love watching ice sculptures being made because it's this angry, growling beast of a machine going, wow, wow, you know. And the next thing you know, you've got a Moana princess, <laughs> you know, in the shell. Damn. You get a Moana princess? I just learned I don't know. I, I'm just speaking in terms of like something that's not super violent. So <laughs> like wait. a Mad Max car like, coming out of a... How many ice sculptures have you guys seen? Just like rough, like... Oh my rough- God. In my oh, life? Yeah, no. How many how many Volkswagen Beetles have you seen? I mean, it's like Yeah. How many how many grains of sand are there on the beach? Like, I, I kid you not, every year growing up I would go to Winterfest or Winterlude and see like a dozen or more ice sculptures every winter. Yeah. And that's just ice the sculptures one event. are to Well, okay, in fairness, Ottawa is the nation's capital. So they, yeah. they do they do draw upon like, oh, we're going to do Winterlude and this is... So there's always a big ice sculpture portion to it. And yeah. maybe in Gatineau, I, there's a whole... There's one in Yeah, Elmer, well, there's, maybe? there's Gatineau. There's, I mean, Quebec City has one. Montreal has one. Yeah, I'm, okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. I was like trying to... I was in... in, in Kim's defense. I was like, well, yeah, well, maybe not everybody, but no, pretty much no. anybody that, that gets snow in Canada, which is everyone. We'll try to sculpt it with a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> I was in an ice sculpture competition in Shawville, and I did a really bad job, but we still won. Wow. Because a really bad ice sculpture by a Canadian is ten times better than some ice sculpture by a Chicagoan. <laughs> okay. Let me just tell you, this person was from Wisconsin. but also- Oh, well then, there you go. That makes more sense. Yeah, I don't think you can do that in the city limits of Chicago. I think it's against the law. There's no way. There's no way the Chicago police would let you, like, you're going to need a special permit, probably a perimeter line, a guy from <laughs> watching you, like one union guy getting paid time and a half to watch you. Like, there's so many things you have to get permits for to do that. It's, it's funny. You know someone's, hey, Stefan, you know someone's done a lot of installations when they're thinking about permits and... Yep. and- and yep. security. 
Yep. <laughs> perimeter lines. Well, like, there's perimeter lines. How many union guys is it going to take? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we, we need I, about we need about twenty feet square for the guy to do the art, uh, ice sculpture, and then we probably need like a buffer zone about three feet for the audience. And then we need you know like the crowd's got to stay back from behind there. We're going to want them to line up. We're we're talking about like forty square feet here just for the yeah. one night sculpture. This is ridiculous. We need that. Yeah, uh, you're going to need probably forty by forty. How are we uh, going to keep the keep the audience warm? We need the tape. We need the sculpture police tape. We need the, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Tony. <laughs> this is your is this your only talent? <laughs> Do you have any other talents that don't involve ice sculpting and chainsaws? No, that's the one. That's the only one I got. Okay, we're gonna do it. Let's do it. Sounds good. What do you guys think it would cost to get an ice sculpture delivered to uh to the conference? Not as much as you think. <laughs> I don't know. A few hundred bucks? I this I on the internet already. I'm going to put it down. Are you but already I want looking? You know, you're going to have to do the follow-up with the image of the bow, but you might also need an image of this Ipe sculpture. Well, you would, you would only be able to get like a display sculpture for in the conference. You couldn't do an outside sculpture because we're now in spring. and. No, yeah. I want it in there. I want it in there and I want to watch it melt. The three days I think what they... you should do is you should get it delivered and then like just pick a vendor table in the vendor <laughs> hall and it, yeah. and just be like this is to be delivered to Sheridan College and like Sheridan College ends up with a nice sculpture on their table. <laughs> Sir, I went to Sheridan College, so there are definitely uh, ice sculpture artists in toronto that you could hire to create a nice sculpture probably live or have it made and delivered to fitc if that's what you want to do i want to yeah i think i could get like a bust of sean for like a couple hundred bucks easy easy <laughs> you know what i mean just wheel his ass right in there just yeah. right in have him yeah. just you're you're in luck deliver. that this episode isn't coming out until months later <laughs> <laughs> so no one knows that this is gonna happen. I know. I love. It. We're like I'm like a time traveler because by the time this comes out, all these things that I'm will have happened. Yeah. Great. Hey, uh, Kim, do you feel like do you have any uh, parting advice for people that are just getting into? Well, there's actually there's two there's two things, and it would probably be a, a two pronged answer. One is okay. you have a ton of live experience like live video stitching and video installation experience plus light work a lot of light installation work um it, with music well like with a musician with musicians um do you have advice for anybody who is looking to get into that and then secondarily mm -hmm. how do you see parlaying that experience into advertising how do you convince people that you're the right person to hire so somebody who wants to do the creative work as a as an installation person an artist how do you see that them being able to do uh design work and creative work i don't know <laughs> I really didn't give you a good question. I think that's the problem. No, I, I mean, I, I know I, I, I kind of, kind of see where you're going. You know, I, you know, the thing about like the video system work and the performance work, cause that's really the installation work that you know, that's, it's precious and it's different. And I'm, I'm pretty intentional with keeping it 
as non-commercial as, as possible. And, you know, for all purposes, you know, I've chose pretty much one of like the lowest potential commercially viable visual arts possible mm-hmm. with the intention of like analog and new media. Like how, what do you, what in the fuck do you do with that? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I really fucked myself in that regard too. Um, but I really love it. And that's the thing, you know, it has a lot of meaning and I think people enjoy the performance and that enjoyment is a really satisfying outcome. Um, with the other work with commercial work, a lot of times desire by, um, you know, are the outcomes that you're working towards. So that, you know, there, those practices, I, I try to keep them pretty separate, pretty intentionally. Well, I've always said that, that my nine to five doesn't inform my five to nine, but my five to nine always builds my nine to five. So like I've, I found that all of my extracurricular work has always improved my day to day. So my job job always gets better because of the stuff I'm doing with other people. I, I was part of a collaboration with a musician where I toured all around with him for a long time. And, and you know, it was enormously gratifying as an experience to be like part of this culture where, where it's, I was VJ Hugh Elliott. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I was yeah. VJ Hugh Elliott on a t-shirt where I'm, where I'm like next to all these other VJs who have like code names and, and they were like, what's your name? I'm like, um, Hugh Elliott, you know, <laughs> but, but it's funny to like get a t-shirt where that's my name on the back. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. Cool. But then I take what I did and then go to my job job and they're like, how do you make this website better? I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's funny. You should ask. I think I could probably make some of this better. I was a flash guy for a long time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the processing work I did for the live music stuff. I could parlay, you know, a little bit into the Flash stuff. And then I stopped doing Flash, and as everybody did. Yeah. I mean, for me, the video stuff, it hasn't it hasn't changed too much. I mean, I have my synthesizers, a new thing that I've gone to this, this Euro rack. But, you know, the fundamentals of the way that I approach found footage and pre-processing and, you know, studio experiments that get chopped up and played through MIDI and a lot of feedback, mm-hmm. those been you know those have been part of what i've been messing with and playing with in my video practice for 15 years yeah so like that for me it's just kind of it's the same it's having a moment now and that's really cool i'm really fortunate that the the folks that i'm i'm collaborating with are you know really inclusive they've made it really easy to feel really involved and you know taking care of in these projects yeah so. yeah we like like our um like our our theme song our intro song is by a band called not of and not of is a good friend of mine and he was on an episode as a, he's a children's book editor but uh, you know he has this noise rock band and, and he said could you make us a a globe that would that that lights up and i said do you want it to react to the music he goes you can do that and i was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yes i totally i totally can so i like i I did a bunch of experiments for him and prototypes to just show him what what it would take and then it just it sort of fizzled out when when there it became clear that they couldn't afford to pay for fabrication but it's always been in the back of my mind like look i i have a job like i i can build most of this stuff if you're willing to just pay for leds in the and the mic and the and the, the raspberry pi i could probably hook you up 
really inexpensively uh, with a sound reactive, you know, globe that I have planned for a double spinning thing that I'm like, let's do it. You know, part of me is just, let's do it. So it's, it's the hardest thing for me not to just go ahead and make it happen. You got to make it. You, know, you got to make it. Do you not? You're not helping me, Kim. This is the problem. Is that, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to help you. Like, that's uh, this is my problem. Like, this is my, you know. Well, I've I, already, I, you know, I'm building like a full size BB 8. I'm, you know, working on a Boba Fett helmet. And there's this whole. I just really enjoy the music side. Like, I've gone to their shows many, many Thank times. You. And I thought, you know what? A big goddamn globe that just spins every time you guys go crazy would be phenomenal, you know, and just has blinking lights all through it. Let's make that happen. And he's like, oh, shit, how much would that cost? So, you know, like, uh, well, if that's your concern with a totally viable or totally reasonable thing to react with is what's that going to cost? But, you know, I've already spent a couple of days working on it and I, I'd never asked that question now. So... Do you want to share? I don't know. I don't ask that question anymore. I try to just put it down and then, you know, like let somebody sort that out later. You know, earlier this week, I was specking something and wound up talking to a friend of mine that has this phenomenal shop and they had these gigantic horses. And I was like, okay, we got these horses. Then we're going to paint some black, put lasers in their eyes. How scary is that? Like, like <laughs> you know, giant laser eyed horses. And they're like, no, what? No, you can't do that. I don't know. They're like, did you know you get a mannequin of a horse? Like, what? It's crazy. Who knew? Wait, is that real? <laughs> you can get a mannequin oh, of a horse? That was real. My that was cousin awesome. has a horse farm, and she has these giant horses. And I'm like, I couldn't imagine putting lasers on their eyes. Like, they'd be pissed. Like, they're no, they're like 1,000-pound horses, man. They're crazy heavy. <laughs> mannequins. Okay, horse mannequins I can get by. Horsekins. Yeah, sure, sure. Horsekins. <laughs> Horsekins. <laughs> well, then, let's... <laughs> So this is this has been Can Sell This, and I am Hugh Elliott, and I am Stephen Grambart, and with us today we had Kim Elford. Thank you, Corsican, Corsican, Cors- <laughs> from Corsica. Oh my God! Thank you, Kim. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Okay. Save your brain. <laughs>